Well, no, we've, we've, we've left Jim outside. Is he on his way in? <laughs> he is. And I'm joined by uh, our new guest. They, actually, I better make sure the the race, or it's not a race, the walk has started. They're all clearing out of the way now. And we're welcoming Fiona MacLeisett. Now, it's been many years, Fiona. <laughs> and I'm looking at photographs. And uh, all I can say is this photograph is a valuable historic document. <laughs> <laughs> Fiona. Good morning. Good morning to you. And um, Jim is joining us now. Good morning, so, Jim. Um, the, um, you're best probably known as a person who gave their lives to uh, involvement in development aid uh, across the world. You were associated with CONCERN and what other organizations internationally? Only CONCERN. Only CONCERN. How many years, uh, Fiona, are you... On and off, I've been working with CONCERN Worldwide for nearly 30 years now. Um, since yeah, since the early nineties. I see as I sit opposite you, I see a young girl. <laughs> well, <laughs> and and Jim, she hasn't changed one bit when you think about her there. No, not at all. Very recognisable. Yeah. Well, I think maybe. Um, <laughs> have you got your glasses on? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and John S. is recognisable too. Well, John is very recognisable. <laughs> I dug that out of the uh, archives, uh, yeah. 1992 or 82. So, I mean, I suppose um, we're, we've only a limited amount of time, uh, Fiona, this morning to talk about your work with Concern. What in the name of heaven brought you into that world of, of work? Where does it all start for you? Well, I think it kind of started at school, really, um, as you see in the photograph. Yeah. Um, I was do we were doing social and scientific geography. A lot of the focus was on um, development and humanitarian and learning about other countries and cultures. Um, and so were you listening? Uh, yeah, I, I didn't listen to everything you said, John, <laughs> but I, I obviously listened to the bits that I was interested in. <laughs> yeah. And um, then once I left school, um, I went into nursing then, but I was always interested in um, doing a few years um, as a volunteer with Concern. Yes. So then I got, really, I got an opportunity then, um, after, in the early 90s. You qualified uh, as a nurse. Yeah. And then um, worked for a few years as a nurse. Mm. And then I worked in... Um, South Sudan, or and uh, well, in Sudan and Ethiopia as a volunteer for a few years, and then. So you're off. Uh, sorry for interrupting you now, but so you're off a, essentially with the uh, root of the trouble in Sudan. Uh, would you been aware politically of? Well, that's what was involved? going back now thirty years. So yeah. things have changed, evolved over the years. Yeah. Um, so I've, yeah, I've worked in a lot of different places since then. Um, but yeah, I was only in Sudan for about six months, mm. and I was in Ethiopia then for a few years. Yeah, and uh, spent a lot of time in Afghanistan, and then laterally then South Sudan and Bangladesh. So I'm in your pocket <laughs> as you're you're going uh, as you're going actually 
through this work experience. What exactly were you doing? I know it's a good while back trying to recall situation. What exactly was your handle? Well, when I started first, it was very much hands-on working as a health professional, really, as a nurse. Yeah. nutritionist in South Sudan or in Sudan and um, and Ethiopia this, there was a serious problem with uh, food security and malnutrition so we were working primarily with children and women and adolescents who were malnourished yeah so it was very health and nutrition focused and what would what actually would be happening in your world so it, we were working in, at the time it was working in centres, yes. children that were malnourished and in hospitals. And, and anything we were doing, we were working um, with local organisations as well. Yeah. And with the government entities. So it wasn't like replicating what was already there. It was really mm. working and trying to strengthen with um, the systems and the structures that were there. And then over the years, um, I suppose less hands-on, but... Um, more in the administration role as well. And then in every country it's different. So in a lot of countries we're working in, it's conflict affected and massive um, natural disasters now with climate change. So a lot of concerns work would be responding to emergencies. Like, for example, at the moment there's the crisis in um, Syria, South Sudan, and like with natural disasters in Bangladesh, even though Bangladesh is a relatively peaceful country, um, but they're very climate affected. Um, One of the wettest countries yeah, in the world. Exactly. And yeah. large tracts of land become yeah. inaccessible. And so people are displaced from their land and they lose everything. So they're trying to rebuild again. So a lot of our work as well is involved in logistics and providing all the essentials, mm. um, shelter, water, Healthcare to try and get people back on their feet as well before. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's it, with climate change, there's more and more disasters. They're happening more regularly and with higher intensity. You were telling me in the pre-chat we had that in Bangladesh, that there, which is one of the poorest countries in the world, yeah. that there are 1.4 million yeah, there's uh, one refugees. Yeah. This is... Yeah, I find that amazing. We, we talk about, what is it, 70,000, 80,000 yeah. Ukrainians here in this country. Uh, exactly. But, but that, yeah. that yeah. kind of number and the yeah. effect it has yeah. on a country with which is not well off. Ex exactly. Like Bangladesh has a huge population already, um, 160 million people in the country, a couple of sizes, the size of Ireland, and very fragile, you know, in terms of climate change and so forth. But um, they've had to basically support 1.2 million refugees from Myanmar, the Rohingya How the refugees. The, the Rohingya? Yeah. You were there when the Rohingya yeah, birthed? Yeah, it was kind of predated me but I was there we were working there for two years with the Rohingya yeah, yeah. and um, they're living in very difficult situations really really basic how basic? Um, basically I mean they're living in camps and it's makeshift kind of shelters plastic even after after five or six years they're there six years some of them and um, they're living in really difficult situations. And they're also affected by climate change. You know, there's flooding every year. Um, a lot of our responses were kind of crisis within crisis. You've got fires happening every year as well during the dry season. And that can just 
take out so much parts of the of the camp. And but how how were they received? Within Bangladesh, initially they were received very well, and the Bangladeshis were very supportive. I mean, like having so many people in already um, a poor country, um, but it is incredibly challenging. Like to to have so many people in the country. Obviously, the international organisations and the UN are providing a lot of support, but it's never enough. And now with other crises as well like with Ukraine and Sudan and so forth, you know, the Rohingya definitely, they're slipping off the radar and you don't really hear much about such a crisis, but, you know, they're living in very difficult situations and they're totally um, aid-dependent because they're not allowed out of the camps and they're not allowed to work and because of the the political security situation in, in Myanmar, it's unlikely that... I mean, it's improbable that people will be able to go back for years. Yeah. And what dictates, as a matter of interest, what dictates at international level who gets aid? Well, is the are politics it, operating? Well, it's needs based. It's it's uh, humanitarian has to be needs based. It has to be independent, impartial, and um, it has to be totally needs based. Obviously, our focus would be very much on children, women, and the most vulnerable. Uh, but it it is impartial, um, and it's totally based on mm. need. That's the whole essence of humanitarian response. So the people in the Rohingya response, they they fled over the border into Bangladesh. And, you know, they're, they're there so many years afterwards. There was other waves also, but the biggest wave of people coming across was in 2017. Yeah. 2017. Is there is there a lot of negotiation to be done with the local authorities, wherever you are or wherever you are, to to distribute aid? Yes. Um, and I suppose it varies from country to country. Yes, yeah, some countries are... Um, like we don't do anything unless you have the approval process of local government or local authorities um, and some countries it's more difficult and more challenging than others and some countries are very bureaucratic and it is more difficult there's a lot of negotiations but with say for example in Bangladesh we wouldn't have done anything unless we had the approval of, of gov government and they would be also for transparency as well, they'd be overseeing the the distributions. And, you know, it's never easy either with distributions. People are in dire need, so it needs to be very structured. And we'd have teams of uh, people involved in the distributions so that there's no chaos or no, um, no riots. And that the people who genuinely need the supplies um, are getting the supplies rather than maybe the stronger people. And I suppose so you would have to keep a strong hold yourselves on that distribution. Exactly. I mean, you couldn't let it become political within the country. No, and we really try to veer away from politics as a non-governmental organisation and that um, we're not involved in any like higher level negotiations. That's up to... Um, political entities but um, yeah it's 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 definitely something we have total oversight as well and when we talk about staff working most of like 95% of the staff are from the country mm -hmm. you know so they're the backbone of the organization 
and they're the backbone of the work and they know the people and they know what's needed. So Jim and myself, we have magically halved our ages, okay? <laughs> and we've decided, having listened to you, uh, we would um, like uh, to help in international aid situations, okay? How do we, how could we go about it? Because there are young people listening to you this morning and they're asking the question, hey, that sounds very interesting. Uh, I'd like to join Concern, or Goal, or whatever other mm -hmm. international NGO we're dealing with. So how could Jim and myself fit in? I, I, this is now 30 years ago. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, I think first and foremost, young people, I think nowadays, are a lot more aware of issues, and they're so proactive. Um, you know, all you need to talk, they talk about climate change, human rights and sustainable sustainable development goals. So I think they're already very active. Concern has already a very active program in the debating. There's some fantastic debates within um, the secondary school uh, level around the country. They're held every year. So it's a great way of young people engaging with the issues. Okay. Um, they do fundraising, they do... Um, uh, but if they want to work with Concern or other organisations, there's lots of other organisations also, um, I guess the stepping stone is to is to be involved more in the awareness side and so forth. And then um, once they have a technical qualification um, to maybe apply for... Um, for work with with uh, with an aid organisation, you know it's not feasible for maybe f different people to to go away um, for various reasons. But there's lots of other things that people can do as well, and people are so active in mm -hmm. local charities as well, yeah. and that's a good kind of stepping stone, I suppose, into into international um, into international aid. But for example, it's not only engineers and nurses they look for like they're always looking for finance people and looking for logistics people so that's kind of and there's a lot of courses also in humanitarian assistance yeah, and yeah. so we can we, we could actually get into it you could yes we could how about it jimmy yeah. can you knock there's a lot of teachers <laughs> there's a lot of teachers that started um as with, as career breaks yes. they, and they stayed on actually yeah. over the years yeah, yeah. I, know, I know a number of teachers yeah. over the years who went yeah. with concern yeah. Yeah. Uh, and went to the far east yeah. and and, yeah. uh, and spent a year or two yeah. or three there and yeah. one or two as you say yeah. who stayed there yeah exactly exactly so um you know and uh, that's uh, especially in a country like Bangladesh when there were so many Irish volunteers and back in the 70s and 80s you know yeah, but, yeah. Um, have you ever had what I would call I'm like a journal we're like journalists here <laughs> trying, to look, trying to look at a heading you know have you ever had a a, a traumatic experience one that left an, an indelible mark on you um, I I suppose there's there's always issues happening all the time, but I suppose the way I kind of look at it as well is that we're in a very pri privileged position and we can leave a country as well when something's happening, but you always, it, yeah. it is difficult, um, you know, leaving people behind as well in the different countries we work with in colleagues and how they have to face um, yeah. very difficult times, like for example in Sudan at the moment and um, 
Afghanistan as well. But you worked in Afghanistan. Yeah, I worked there for five. Was uh, were they uh, the political parties involved in the education, making sure women did not get educated? Well, when I worked there, girls could still go to school. We had an education program, but it has changed dramatically over the last two years. Uh, which is very sad to see that girls, you know, all that capacity and competency and all their kind of dreams being squashed, really. Um, but um, the yeah. people are wonderful. They're great to work with. And um, they're still working, like, even despite all of the, the challenges, yeah. um, Concern and other organisations are still working, kind of a little under the radar, but yeah. um, so that they're not so public, uh, you know, about some of the, mm. the work. But um, it must be very difficult to work, though, in in a, in a conflict situation. I mean, it's one thing in a, a natural disaster where maybe everyone's shoulder is to the wheel. Yeah. But in a, in a situation of political or military conflict. Um, each side is looking at their own side of things and not yeah. looking maybe at the overall picture, which you probably are. Yeah, it's it's difficult for sure. And it kind of goes back to the point that as an NGO, non-governmental organisation, we try to ensure that humanitarian aid is untied and that it's based on need and uh, not based on you know, sides. Um, and I, you know, we primarily work with children and women. And, um, but it is, it is definitely challenging in some contexts. Yeah. Uh, I'd imagine you need to get an odd break as well. I do. Yes, <laughs> yeah, well you're, you're, you're on a break yeah. at the moment, aren't you? I'm on a break. So, what's the scene? Hopefully back to work in the next uh, month. Uh, to Bangladesh again? No, I'm not. I'm finished in Bangladesh. I'll be uh, probably gap fill for a few months. Um, I'm on the rota in concern, so I'll yeah. probably um, be assigned in the next month or two. Yeah, okay. Well, listen, it's, it's brilliant having you. Thank you very uh, much. It's very nice to meet you both. You've yeah. opened our eyes a bit in relation to what it's like and, uh, you know, the nitty-gritty of um, of working yeah. abroad yeah. and working... Because yeah. we, we tend to forget, I suppose. Yeah, But Ireland know, is a great supportive and, you know, like Ireland contributes enormously um, to overseas... Uh, development mm -hmm. and uh, you know we'd be high up there and very much so and Ireland yeah. is seen as a very strong donor you know per head of capita mm. and like I've seen it myself as well in action you know over the years even within the the crisis mm. you've got another crisis coming on top like say fires or yeah. flooding and uh, yeah Irish uh, have been very supportive tell me you, 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 you're here now seeing how we responded to the refugee crisis in the in Ukraine. Okay, you see that we have seventy thousand, seventy-five thousand. In can we keep actually accepting refugees? Well, I don't think that's a question for me. I know, kind of, I'm looking at it on the other hand that yeah. Concern is an organisation, and, and a number of organisations are actually working in Ukraine. Mm. We're working with um, people who are displaced and in need in in the country. But I think that's a, qu a broader question. I'm kind of not plugged into. Oh, and I wasn't that. thinking. Of, I've just yeah. uh, posed the question as a yeah. Well, if the passing. Bangladeshis yeah. can can, yeah. can do it, yeah. And I mean, and we've no choice anyway, but to accept refugees from Ukraine, I mean, we yeah. can't tell them And no. I think Ireland is doing 
very well. You know, it's it's obviously a big um, responsibility. But, you know, we are part of the international community and humanity. And, yeah, we're we're obligated as well to to um, support and show solidarity. Yes, mm-hmm. which we do. Yeah, exactly. And I think yeah. Irish people are, have really been very warm and welcoming. And, uh, you know, it's a challenging situation. And, of course, there's people coming from other countries as well. Yeah. yeah. It's, yeah. Um, okay, listen, good luck to you when, you, when you go back okay. over the next month <laughs> or two and um, whatever part of the world you go into. And please, God, the next time you're home, we, you we'll chat to you again and, okay. and see how things are going. Is this, uh, I'm looking at this lovely photograph. Uh, <laughs> Thank that you. We mentioned yes, just because you're in it, John. <laughs> <laughs> it was a... A geography class, was it, uh, yes, in yes. 1982? Uh, Sweet heavens, <laughs> 1982. <laughs> yeah. Is that yeah. Noel Hogan? Did yes. Noel Mendeman. You, you, you see uh, Paul Blake. Yes. Paul Blake, Noel Pat. Hogan, Pat McNamara, Flynn McNamara, Mr. John Kelly. Uh, yes. Uh, she wrote that in this morning I, before I, she came I in. I think I had Big John on it, but <laughs> I changed it to Mr. Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> Patrick, Patrick Harrington, Fiona McLeisett, Mark Fleming, and uh, John O'Brien from Broadford. So that's the lovely to that see was the crew. Well, okay. it's a, it's a pleasure on on a number of grounds, uh, Fiona, meeting you this morning. Uh, it's been years. Likewise. It's a stimulating, you know, feeling I have. Great to see she's turned out well. <laughs> <laughs> no, <that's>, no, okay, <laughs> okay. We'll so go thank back. Thank you. We'll go back to uh, Christy Moore.